And here there was a glacier they had to cross. My daddy got across, but there was a crack in the glacier, and that man fell in. I don't know how he did it. That was a portion of a story shared by Angela Sidney and published by Julie Cruikshank in her book, Do Glaciers Listen? Some say the world will end in fire. Some say in ice. Estimates show that glaciers are losing about 267 gigatons of ice every year. Wildfires in the United States have burned about 6 million acres so far this year, mostly in the West and Alaska. Pine Island Glacier is slipping toward the sea at an unprecedented rate. Extreme heat is gripping countries all around the world right now. This is the Ice and Fire podcast, and I'm your host, Teresa Soli. Here, we listen to glaciers melt actively as they transition from solid form into liquid water. And we hear from scientists as well as indigenous perspectives in order to better understand the repercussions of climate change in Alaska and beyond through place-based narrative and storytelling. Oh, it's been here almost a week, six days, and it's melted back 40 centimeters. But that's kind of on the low end for these ice cliffs. Uh, that uh, that one over there that they just that they just got a, a visual on, uh, it melted out uh, over a meter in that same time. I think I know enough of fate to know that for destruction, ice is also great and would suffice. But there was a crack in the glacier, and that man fell in. Door might open under you without you knowing about it, and you might fall into one of these crevasses. Generally, the crevasses feel bottomless. Generally, they're less than 100 feet deep. That's Frank Olive, Assistant Coordinator for Education and Outdoor Adventures at the University of Alaska Fairbanks. In this mini-episode, we hear the oral story of glacier travel again and relate it to safe methods of glacier travel in modern times. My name is Frank Olive, and I've lived here in Fairbanks for 30 years. I've been getting out on glaciers in the state for 25 years. I teach a two-credit course. I think this was my 12th year teaching it this year. In terms of the expertise and knowledge and sharing that information with students pretty regularly and have done it for a long time and have continued to learn about and get to know the best practices in the industry through trainings through some of the national organizations like the American Guide Association or the Professional Climber Instructor Association to help enhance that ability to pass along the best information to folks about being safe on glaciers and traveling around. So glacier ice can be covered in a blanket of snow, since snow must fall to create and sustain a glacier. Yeah, so a glacier is, uh, it's basically ice on the landscape that's formed from the compression and recrystallization of snow that comes from atmospheric precipitation. That was a repeat definition of a glacier by Dr. Eric Peterson. In winter, in glaciated environments, glaciers frequently have a white covering on top of them, 
and this snowy blanket can cover cracks, crevasses, in a glacier. Crevasses form in glaciers because, as we've learned already, glaciers are moving and flowing. So some parts of the ice move faster than other parts, and different geographic features and aspects impact how the ice interacts with the landscape. This causes the ice to crack and sometimes become a jagged surface, which can complicate travel atop it. When a crevasse is filled with snow, we call it a snow bridge. Snow builds up on glaciers and it basically covers the cracks that actually form in the ice as the ice flows down the mountain. And those cracks are called crevasses and they are hazards for us when we're in the mountains. And the snow many times, especially this time of year, might be thick enough and solid enough where you cross right over. You might not even know you've gone over a crevasse in a glacier. But as that melts out or is thinner based on that particular year snowpack or whatever, the potential exists that a door might open under you. For this reason, we choose a risk mitigation strategy. So roping up for glacier travel is an attempt to mitigate the risks on glaciers crevasse falls, of falling through a crevasse unknowingly. The system involves tying yourself together with the other people on your team. Generally, it's in the range of two to four people total on a rope. And basically, the other people on the rope does a counterbalance for you if you were the one to happen to fall through a snow bridge or fall into a crevasse on a glacier. Then the people up above use that rope system to either anchor it or potentially to use a mechanical advantage system to haul you out of that crevasse if that's what's necessary. And that man fell in. I don't know how he did it. Now we have an idea of how he did it. He fell into a crevasse without being tied into a rope system for an easy haul out. Are you okay? Yes. I'm okay. I'm going to try to get you out. I'm going to untie my pack, and I am going to send the string of my pack rope down to you. You tie it around your waist and climb up. So roping up for travel on top of snow-covered glaciers has us better prepared for the collapse of snow bridges and crevasse falls. This rope travel technique is used by researchers and alpinists alike to avoid dangerous crevasse falls when navigating atop glaciers. This is the Ice and Fire podcast. Thanks for listening to this mini episode. Financial support for this podcast came from Alaska EPSCoR and the National Science Foundation, University of Alaska Fairbanks Graduate School in the form of a travel grant, the Alaska Center for Innovation, Commercialization, and Entrepreneurship, Center ICE, as well as the National Science Foundation Innovation Corps program. Thanks also to Frank Olive at UAF. This material is based upon work supported by the National Science Foundation under award number OIA 1208927 and by the state of Alaska. Any opinions, findings, and conclusions or recommendations expressed in this material are those of the author and do not necessarily reflect the views of the National Science Foundation. 
This podcast was hosted, written, and narrated by Teresa Soli, and edited as well as produced by myself, Mary Ald.